Welcome to an Uvula audio presentation of The Sea Fairies by L. Frank Baum. Your narrator is Jay Campanella. This is the story of Trot, a very independent and immensely curious little girl, and Captain Bill, an old sailor who likes to tell tall tales. One day the two adventurers come upon a sea cave where they discover a school of bewitching mermaids who guide them beneath the waves to a magnificent palace. While touring this mysterious watery realm, Trot and Captain Bill meet an aristocratic codfish, a bashful octopus, attend an elegant banquet, are taken prisoner by an awesome sea monster, make a dash for freedom, and have loads of other adventures. And now, the Sea Fairies. Chapter 1. Trot and Captain Bill Er nobody, said Captain Bill solemnly, ever saw a mermaid and lived to tell the tale. Why not? asked Trot, looking earnestly up into the old sailor's face. They were seated on a bench, built around a giant acacia tree that grew just at the edge of the bluff. Below them rolled the blue waves of the great Pacific. A little way behind them was the house, a neat frame cottage painted white and surrounded by huge eucalyptus and pepper trees. Still farther behind that, a quarter of a mile distant but built upon a bend of the coast, was the village, overlooking a pretty bay. Captain Bill and Trot came often to this tree to sit and watch the ocean below them. The sailor man had one meat leg and one hickory leg, and he often said the wooden one was the best of the two. Once Captain Bill had commanded and owned the Anemone, a trading schooner that plied along the coast, and in those days Charlie Griffiths, who was Trot's father, had been the captain's mate. But ever since Captain Bill's accident, when he lost his leg, Charlie Griffiths had been the captain of the little schooner, while his old master lived peacefully ashore with the Griffiths family. This was about the time that Trot was born, and the old sailor became very fond of the baby girl. Her real name was Mary. But when she grew big enough to walk, she took so many busy little steps every day that her mother and Cap'n Bill nicknamed her Trot, and so she was thereafter mostly called. It was the old sailor who taught the child to love the sea, to love it almost as much as he and her father did, and these two who represented the beginning and the end of life became firm friends and constant companions. Why hasn't anybody ever seen a mermaid and lived? asked Trot again. Cause mermaids is fairies and ain't meant to be seen by us mortal folk, replied Captain Bill. But if anyone happens to see them, what then, Captain? Then, he answered, slowly wagging his head, the mermaids give em a smile and a wink, and they dives into the water and gets drowned. Suppose they know how to swim, Captain Bill. That don't make no difference, Trot. The mermaids live down deep, and the poor mortals never come up again. The little girl was thoughtful for a moment. But why do folks dive in the water when the mermaids smile and wink? she asked. Mermaids, 
he said gravely, is the most beautifulest creatures in the world, or the water either. You know what they're like, Trot. They's got a lovely lady's form down to the waist, and then the other half em is a fish, with green and purple and pink scales all down it. Have they got any arms, Cap'n Bill? Course they do, Trot. Arms like any other lady, and pretty faces that smile and look mighty sweet and fetchin'. Their hair is long and soft and silky, and floats all around em in the water. When they comes up atop the waves, they wring the water out of their hair and sing songs that go right to your heart. If anybody is lucky enough to be round just then, the magic of them mermaids and their sweet song charms em like magic. So they plunge into the waves to get to the mermaids. But the mermaids haven't got any hearts, Trot, no more than fish have. So they laugh when the poor people drown and don't care a fig. That's why I says, and I says it true, that nobody ever saw a mermaid and lived to tell the tale. Nobody? asked Trot. Nobody at all. Then how do you know that, Cap'n Bill? asked the little girl, looking up into his face with big round eyes. Cap'n Bill coughed. Then he tried to sneeze to gain time. Then he took out his red cotton handkerchief and wiped his bald head with it, rubbing hard so as to make him think more clearly. Look, Trot, ain't that a brig out there? he inquired, pointing to a sail far out to sea. How does anybody know about mermaids if those who have seen them never live to tell about them? she asked again insistently. No, what about em, Trot? About their green and pink scales and pretty songs and wet hair? They don't know, I guess. But mermaids just naturally has to be like that, or they would not be mermaids. She thought this over. Somebody must have lived, Captain Bill. She declared positively. Other fairies have been seen by mortals. Why not mermaids? Ah, perhaps they have, Trot. Perhaps they have. He answered musingly. I'm telling you as it was told to me, but I never stopped to inquire into the matter so close to before. Seems like folks wouldn't know so much about mermaids if they hadn't seen them. And yet, according to all accounts, the victim is bound to get drowned. Perhaps, suggested Trot softly, someone found a photograph of one of them. That might have been Trot. That might have been answered Captain Bill. A nice man was Captain Bill, and Trot knew he always liked to explain everything so she could fully understand it. The aged sailor was not a very tall man, and some people might have called him chubby or even fat. He wore a blue sailor shirt with white anchors worked on the corners of the broad square collar, and his trousers were very wide at the bottom. He always wore one trouser leg over his wooden limb, and Sometimes it would flutter in the wind like a flag because it was so wide and the wooden leg so slender. His rough, kersey coat was a pea jacket and came down to his waistline. In the big pockets of his jacket he kept a wonderful jackknife and his pipe and tobacco and many bits of string and matches and keys and lots of other things. Whenever Captain Bill thrust a chubby hand into one of his pockets, 
Trot watched him with breathless interest, for she never knew exactly what he was going to pull out. The old sailor's face was brown as a berry. He had a fringe of hair around the back of his head and a fringe of whisker under the edge of his face, running from ear to ear and underneath his chin. His eyes were light blue and kind in expression. His nose was big and broad, and his few teeth were not strong enough to crack nuts with. Trot liked Captain Bill and had a great deal of confidence in his wisdom, and a great admiration for his ability to make tops and whistles and toys with that marvelous jackknife of his. In the village were many boys and girls of her own age, but she never had as much fun playing with them as she had wandering by the sea, accompanied by the old sailor, and listening to his fascinating stories. She knew all about the Flying Dutchman, and Davy Jones' locker, and Captain Kidd, and how to harpoon a whale, or dodge an iceberg, or lasso a seal. Captain Bill had been everywhere in the world, almost, on his many voyages. He had been wrecked on desert islands like Robinson Crusoe, and been attacked by cannibals, and had a host of other exciting adventures. So he was a delightful comrade for the little girl, and whatever Captain Bill knew, Trot was sure to know in time. "'How do mermaids live?' she asked. "'Are they in caves, or just in the water like fish, or how?' "'I can't say, Trot,' he replied. "'I've asked divers about that, but none of them ever run across a mermaid's nest yet, as I've heard of.' "'If they're fairies,' she said, "'their homes must be very pretty.' "'Maybe so, Trot, but damp to be sure. "'They've got to be damp, you know.' "'I'd like to see a mermaid, Captain Bill,' said the child earnestly. "'What, and get drownded?' he exclaimed. "'No, and live to tell the tale. "'If they're as beautiful and laughing and sweet, "'there can't be much harm in them, I'm sure.' "'Mermaids is mermaids,' remarked Captain Bill in his most solemn voice. "'Wouldn't do us no good to mix up with em, Trot.' "'Mary! Mary!' called a voice from the house. "'Yes, Mama. You and Captain Bill come in to supper!' Chapter 2 The Mermaids The next morning, as soon as Trot had helped to wipe the breakfast dishes and put them away in the cupboard, the little girl and Captain Bill started out toward the bluff. The air was soft and warm, and the sun turned the edges of the waves into sparkling diamonds. Across the bay the last of the fisher boats was speeding away out to sea, for well the fishermen knew this was an ideal day to catch rock bass, barracuda, and yellowtail. The old man and the young girl stood on the bluff and watched all of this with interest. Here was their world. "'It isn't a bit rough out there this morning. "'Let's have a boat ride, Cap'n Bill,' said the child. "'Suits me to a tea,' declared the sailor. "'So they found the winding path that led down the face of the cliff "'to the narrow beach below, and cautiously began the descent. "'Trot never minded the steep path or the loose rocks at all, "'but Cap'n Bill's wooden leg was not so useful on a downgrade "'as it was on a level.' He had to be very careful not to slip and take a tumble. 
But by and by they reached the sands and walked to a spot just beneath the big acacia tree that grew on the bluff. Halfway to the top of the cliff hung suspended a little shed-like structure that sheltered Trot's rowboat, for it was necessary to pull the boat out of reach of the waves, which beat in fury against the rocks at high tide. About as high up as Captain Bill could reach was an iron ring, securely fastened to the cliff, and to this ring was tied a rope. The old sailor unfastened the knot and began paying out the rope, and the rowboat came out of its shed and glided slowly downward to the beach. It hung on a pair of davits and was lowered just as a boat is lowered from a ship's side. When it reached the sands, the sailor unhooked the ropes and pushed the boat to the water's edge. It was a pretty little craft, light and strong, and Cap'n Bill knew how to sail it or row it, as Trot might desire. Today they decided to row, so the girl climbed into the bow, and her companion stuck his wooden leg into the water's edge, so he wouldn't get his foot wet, and pushed off the little boat as he climbed aboard. Then he seized the oars and began gently paddling. "'Whither away, Commodore Trot?' he asked gaily. "'Oh, I don't care, Captain. It's just fun enough to be on the water,' she answered, trailing one hand overboard. So he rode around the north promontory where the great caves were, and much as they were enjoying the ride, they soon began to feel the heat of the sun. "'That's Dead Man's Cave, cause the skeleton was found there.' observed the child as they passed a dark yawning mouth in the cliff and that's bumble cave cause the bumblebees make their nest on top of it and here's smuggler's cave cause the smugglers used it to hide things in she knew all the caves well and so did captain bill many of them opened just at the water's edge and it was possible to row their boat far into their dusky depths and here's echo cave she continued dreamily as they slowly moved along the coast. And Giant's Cave, and... Oh, Cap'n Bill, do you suppose there were ever any giants in that cave? Appears like there must have been, Trot, or they wouldn't have named it that, he replied, pausing to wipe his bald head with a red handkerchief while the oars dragged in the water. We've never been in that cave, Captain, she remarked, looking at the small hole in the cliff, an archway through which the water flowed. Let's go in it now. What for, Trot? To see if there's a giant in there. Ah, uh, aren't you afraid? No, are you? I just don't believe it's big enough for a giant to get into. Your father was in there once, remarked Captain Bill, and he says it's the biggest cave on the coast. But low down, it's full of water. And the water's deep down to the very bottom of the ocean, but the rock roof's liable to bump your head at high tide. It's low tide now, observed Trot. And how could any giant live in there if the roof is so low? Why he couldn't, my mate. I reckon they must have called it Giant's Cave because it's so big, and not because any giant man lived there. Let's go in, said the girl again. I'd like to explore it. "'All right,' replied the sailor. "'It'll be cooler in there than out here in the sun. "'We won't go very far, though, "'for when the tide turns we mightn't get out of there again.' "'He picked up the oars and rowed slowly 
toward the cave. The black archway that marked its entrance seemed hardly big enough to admit the boat at first, but as they drew nearer the opening became bigger. The sea was very calm here, for the headland shielded it from the breeze. "'Look out for your head, Trot!' cautioned Captain Bill, as the boat glided slowly into the rocky arch. But it was the sailor who had to duck instead of the little girl. Only for a moment, though. Just beyond the opening, the cave was higher, and as the boat floated into the dim interior, they found themselves on quite an extensive branch of the sea. For a time neither of them spoke, and only the soft lapping of the water against the sides of the boat was heard. A beautiful sight met the eyes of the two adventurers, and held them dumb with wonder and delight. It was not dark in this vast cave, yet the light seemed to come from underneath the water, which all around them glowed with an exquisite sapphire color. Where the little waves crept up to the sides of the rocks, they shone like brilliant jewels, and every drop of spray seemed a gem fit to deck a queen. Trot leaned her chin on her hands and her elbows on her lap, and gazed at this charming sight with real enjoyment. Captain Bill drew in the oars and let the boat drift where it would, while he also sat silently admiring the scene. Slowly the little craft crept farther and farther into the dim interior of the vast cavern, while its two passengers feasted their eyes on the beauties constantly revealed. Both the old seaman and the little girl loved the ocean in all its various moods. To them it was a constant companion and a genial comrade. If it stormed and raved, they laughed with glee. If it rolled giant breakers against the shore, they clapped their hands joyfully. If it lay slumbering at their feet, they patted and caressed it. But they always loved it. Here was the ocean yet. It had crept under the dome of the overhanging rock to reveal itself crowned with sapphires and dressed in azure gown revealing in this guise new and unsuspected charms. "'Good morning, Mary,' said a sweet voice. Trot gave a start and looked around her in wonder. Just beside her in the water were little eddies, circles within circles, such as are caused by anything that sinks below the surface. "'Did you... did you hear that, Captain Bill?' she whispered solemnly. Captain Bill did not answer. He was staring with eyes that fairly bulged at a place behind Trot's back, and he shook a little, as if trembling from cold. Trot turned half around, and then she stared too. Rising from the blue water was a fair face around which floated a mass of long blonde hair. It was a sweet girlish face, with eyes of the same deep blue as the water and red lips whose dainty smile disclosed two rows of pearly teeth. The cheeks were plump and rosy, the brows gracefully penciled, while the chin was rounded and had a pretty dimple in it. Oh, the most beautifulest in, in all the world, murmured Captain Bill in a voice of horror, and no one has ever lived to tell the tale. There was a peal of merry laughter at this, laughter that rippled and echoed throughout the cavern. Just at Trot's side appeared a new face, even fairer than the other, 
with a wealth of brown hair wreathing the lovely features. And the eyes smiled kindly into those of the child. Are, are you a mermaid? asked Trot curiously. She was not a bit afraid. They seemed both gentle and friendly. Yes, dear, was the soft answer. We are all mermaids, chimed a laughing chorus, and here and there all about the boat appeared pretty faces lying just upon the surface of the water. Are you part fishes? asked Trot, greatly pleased by this wonderful sight. No, we are all mermaid, replied the one with the brown hair. The fishes are partly like us, because they live in the sea and must move about. And you are partly like us, Mary dear, but have awkward stiff legs, so you may walk on the land. But the mermaids lived before fishes and before mankind, so both have borrowed something from us. Then you must be fairies if, if you lived always, remarked Trot, nodding wisely. We are, dear. We are the water fairies, answered the one with the blonde hair, coming nearer and rising till her slender white throat showed plainly. Arr, we're goners, Trot! Goners, I tell ya! sighed Captain Bill with a white, woebegone face. I don't think so, Captain, she observed calmly. These pretty mermaids aren't going to hurt us, I'm sure. No, indeed, said the first one who had spoken. If we were wicked enough to wish you harm, our magic could reach you as easily upon the land as is in this cave. But we love little girls dearly, and wish only to please them and make their lives more happy. I believe that, cried Trot earnestly. Captain Bill just groaned. "'Guess why we have appeared to you,' said another mermaid, coming to the side of the boat. "'Why?' asked the child excitedly. "'We heard you say yesterday you would like to see a mermaid, and we decided to grant you your wish.' "'That was real nice of you,' said Trot gratefully. "'Also, we heard all the foolish things that Cap'n Bill said about us,' remarked the brown-haired one smilingly. "'and we wanted to prove to him that they were wrong.' "'I only said what I've heard,' protested Captain Bill. "'Never having seen a mermaid afore, I couldn't be accurate, "'and I never expected to see one alive and tell the tale.' "'Again the cave rang with merry laughter, "'and as it died away, Trot said, "'May I see your scales, please? "'Are they green and purple and pink?' like Cap'n Bill said? They seemed undecided what to say to this, and swam a little way off where the beautiful heads formed a group that was delightful to see. Perhaps they talked together, for the brown-haired mermaid soon came back to the side of the boat and asked, Would you like to visit our kingdom and see all the wonders that exist below the sea? I'd like to, replied Trot promptly, but I couldn't. I'd get drowned. "'That you would, mate, that you would!' cried Captain Bill. "'Oh, no!' said the mermaid. "'We would make you both like one of ourselves. "'Then you could live within the water as easily as we do.' "'I don't know as I like that,' said the child. "'At least for always.' "'You need not stay with us a moment longer than you please,' 
returned the mermaid, smiling as if amused at the remark. Whenever you're ready to return home, we promise to bring you to this place again, and restore you to the same forms you're now wearing. Would I have a fish's tail? asked Trot earnestly. No, you would have a mermaid's tail, was the reply. What color would my scales be, pink or purple? You may choose the color yourself. Look here, Trot, said Captain Bill in excitement. You're not thinking of doing such a fool thing, are ya? Of course I am, declared the little girl. We don't get such invitations every day, Captain, and if I don't go now, I may never find out how the mermaids live. I don't care how they live, Miss Alf, said Captain Bill. I just want them to let me live. There's no danger, insisted Trot. I don't know about that. That's what all the other folks said when they dove after the mermaids and got drowned. Who? asked the girl. I don't know who, but I've heard tell. You've heard that no one ever saw a mermaid and lived, said Trot. To tell the tale, he added, nodding. And if we dives down like they says, we won't live ourselves. All the mermaids laughed at this, and the brown-haired one said, Well, if you're afraid, don't come. You may row your boat out of this cave and never see us again, if you like. We merely thought it would please little Mary, and we're willing to show her the sights of our beautiful home. Oh, I'd like to see em all right, said Trot, eyes glistening with pleasure. So would I, admitted Captain Bill, if we would live to tell the tale. Don't you believe us? asked the mermaid, fixing her lovely eyes on those of the old sailor and smiling prettily. Are you afraid to trust us to bring you back safely? No, said Captain Bill. Taint that. I've got to look after Trot. Then you'll have to come with me, said Trot decidedly. For I'm going to accept this invitation. If you don't care to come, Captain Bill, you go home and tell Mother I'm visiting the mermaids. She'll scold me into shivers, moaned Captain Bill with a shudder. I guess I'd rather take my chances down below. All right, I'm ready, Miss Mermaid, said Trot. What shall I do, jump in, clothes and all? Give me your hand, dear, answered the mermaid, lifting a lovely white arm from the water. Trot took the lovely hand and found it warm and soft and not a bit fishy. My name is Clea. "'continued the mermaid. "'And I am a princess in our deep-sea kingdom.' "'Just then Trot gave a flop "'and flopped right out of the boat and into the water. <laughs> "'Captain Bill caught a gleam of pink scales "'as his little friend went overboard, "'and the next moment there was Trot's face in the water "'among those of the mermaids. "'She was laughing with glee as she looked up "'into Captain Bill's face and called, "'Come on in, Captain. It didn't hurt a bit.' 